there's a version of the desert that is that is empty and it's so not you know and there's a version of it that it's blank canvas it's not it's actually you know i think one of the most delicate ecosystems you can find and people just assume that because the climate is so harsh there's nothing going on but that's really not the case my name's neville wakefield i'm the artistic director of desert x and um i've come from california and now in Alula to install the second edition. You might wonder what Desert X is and how it started. Desert X is actually this open exhibition in the desert where you have these international, local, and regional artists coming to have this cross-cultural dialogue and engage with nature with their installations and artwork. The first version of this exhibition started in 2017 in California, in the Coachella Valley. In the following years, other versions came up. And in 2020, the first version of Desert X Lola took place. And the second version in 2022. In today's episode, we're exploring the idea of how place can be a curator. And how the second edition of Desert X Lola embody this idea through their work. I'd like to take you on a journey with me. A journey to Al Ula Desert, a very mystical, magical space. The desert itself is vast and full of these ancient rock formations. Some are made by man and some are made by nature. You see these vast yellow landscapes and these canyons. There is a feeling of ancient time. There is a sense of an ancient civilizations, of many comers and goers, of travelers that have voyaged the city. Al-Ula is an oasis in the desert. And more than anything, Al-Ula Desert speaks to your soul. How would you describe your first experience or encounter with Al-Ula Desert? as an emotional experience. I mean, one can't but be awestruck by it. I mean, I remember the, appro- the first time the approach on the airplane and you're coming, coming down and seeing nothing and nothing, these expanses and rock and then, you know, perhaps a single habitation in the middle of apparently nothing and the wonder that people here could be so resourceful to eke out an existence out of so little It's a very moving place in that regard. Neville Wakefield started his journey in the more traditional way of curating, between four walls, but has since then moved to curating to this open landscape of the desert. He shared with me how this interest in land art was a way for him to learn about the American West. Land art appeared in the late 60s and early 70s in these remote, often isolated places that presented art as something 
to be experienced. And I think Desidex builds on the legacy of Landart in a couple of ways. I think Landart was, in its early incarnations, it was anti-institutional, meaning that it was trying to escape from the bounded, walled confines, um, largely of New York at that time. But it was also anti-material, meaning that, you know, these works were experiential, they were quite hard to own. And, you know, they existed in, largely in mythology in some ways. And, you know, I was keen to track down these mythologies. And, and there the principles are the same. It's really about inviting artists to a landscape, having them, immersing themselves in it and experiencing it, and making work, works that respond to that landscape. It's landscape in the broadest sense. It's not just environmental, physical. It's also social, historical. And I think what's interesting about that is this idea that a place can become a curator. I'm not so excited by the traditional type of curating where you take a thesis, you have a thesis, you have, you have an idea, and then you set out to illustrate it using art. Mm. What's the thesis at this point? What's the thesis? In the desert. Well, the, I mean, the desert is the thesis, you know, that the place becomes generative. It's less about me or another curator saying, you know, we have this idea, please make art that responds to it. The idea is the place. And so it's a, it's a very different kind of curating. And it's a very, for me, it's a much more interesting one because it, it doesn't have a predictable outcome. And I think in that way, it mimics the journey, which it begins with. You don't necessarily know where it's going to lead up to where it's going to end. And I think that's what's exciting for me. I think it's what's exciting for artists as well. As you might imagine, being in a particular place will resonate differently with each individual. In Al-Ula, you might be mesmerized by the beautiful rock formations and the landscape as a whole. Or you might be captivated by the shades and various colors of sand. You might find inspiration in the way the sunlight hits at different times of the day or the particular sound of this environment. It might be the history or the geology or the texture or the smell or the nature. All of that makes this thesis truly unpredictable. I think as a curator, you're in a very privileged position because we go around and we go into artist studios, which are really their heads in some ways, and we see the thought process through which the artist manifests, becomes the manifestation of that thought process. But the public doesn't have the privilege of that access. So when the art is extracted from a studio, put on a white wall, devoid of context, it becomes quite inaccessible unless you have art historical knowledge. What's different about a show, a site-specific show like Desert X, is that we all have knowledge of the landscape. We all have an understanding of it. And since the art relates to the landscape, that is the context. And in a way, the landscape in these shows is generative. So it is the studio in some ways. So you're seeing both the work, but you're also seeing the thought process. You're also able to understand the thought process, which is its genesis. And that, I think, is really different. That's fascinating. It's almost like you're removing barriers, both metaphorically and literally, in this sense. Yeah, I mean, you're literally, you know, lowering the threshold. Going into 
a gallery or a museum, there's an architectural threshold, there's often an economic threshold, and then there's there's a sort of knowledge threshold. I think with a show like Desert X, all of those, all of those barriers can come down. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> so that's gone. It's open to the public. You can just walk in. It's self-prescriptive, which is really important. It's not telling you how to experience these works or that you should turn right or left or create this. You make your own narrative. And that makes it much more accessible to people. And so through Neville's work, with the place being the curator, it opens up art to more people who may not go into a museum or a gallery. It becomes a journey of exploration and discovery for each visitor and for them to have a unique experience. I think just by virtue of being out in the open, it allows people a different kind of access. And I think it, it allows for a different kind of emotional engagement. There's not one dominant narrative. You are making your own narrative. You're making your own journey. And you might, you know, that might mean that you only decide to see, you know, three of the 15 works, or it might be that you see all of them in a strange order or whatever it is. But providing that permission is really important. It's a really important part of this. Geography of hope, gold falls, measuring the physicality of void, the valley of the desert keepers, Dark suns, black waves, desert kite. Under the same sun, coral alchemy, camouflage. These are just some of the names of the artworks in Desert Axelola 2022. Hearing those titles informs us of the many inspirations that Alola Desert brings. We have local, regional, and international artists engaging in this global dialogue. Engaging with the desert, responding through their artwork, having the desert to be the thesis, having the desert be the curator. Neville and his team brought these artists to explore a variety of ideas and concepts. We'll meet two of them in later episodes, where we will hear more about their work and their process. There's an umbrella theme for this one in Alula in, in 2022, which is this idea of mirage and really the idea of reflection and doubling and how uh, perception plays tricks in this environment. But in all environments, you know, the differences between perception, phenomenology, trickery, camouflage, how we see things, how we perceive things, the lenses which color the way that we look at things. You know, I think those are all there, but there are other themes as well. You know, there's, there's the theme of time is, a, is very present. There's work such as Shazad Dawood's, which explores deep time, um, geological time. There's work that explores historical time. An example of that would be, say, um, Monica Zosnowska, and she's taken these railway lines from the Fajaz Railway. You know, there are conversations about technology uh, with Stephanie's work, for instance, and how technology can be used to 
create these cycles of life and growth and in her sense in her case using native plants and all that kind of stuff so you know i think there are many currents that run through it but i think i mean obviously the desert is the sort of harbinger of our future the world the world is getting more extreme is getting both wetter and drier so i think just as we look at glaciers and ice caps to you know understand climate change i think we also you know the role of deserts has become really important you know it's fascinating i always felt the desert is a neglected landscape in terms of looking at forests and jungles and all of the other aspects of nature it's almost disregarded i wonder what being here for the second edition what dialogues have you noticed and here specifically in this local community mm-hmm. What have you observed, even in terms of the changes from this edition and the previous one that was also in Alola in 2020? Oh, goodness. I mean, it, things have changed so much. I mean, they, they seem to change by the week, you know, <laughs> or even by the day, but each time yeah. I drive along here. Thinking about Alula and the transformations that are taking place and, and this question of cultural heritage and preservation. And one of the things that really excites me is that What I see here is, to its great credit, this enormous um, infusion of specialists, whether they're archaeologists, geologists, botanists, hydrologists. There's great care being taken to bring in these people in their specialist fields to really understand about how to preserve the landscape and the cultural heritage and, you know, the enormous wealth of that. And... Alongside that, there are these non-specialists, and they're the artists. And the fact that artists are being brought in into this very specialist field and being able to have these cross-disciplinary conversations, being able to have intersectional conversations between issues of water and issues around historical preservation and all these things that are so vivid here is really fantastic and a real sort of, you know, a really important part of that conversation. A lot of traditional art is a way for the artists to put forth an expression that is there for us to interpret or reflect on. But what makes experiential art different is that it's more interactive and dynamic. The way you experience it changes each time. And in that way, it becomes a dialogue rather than just a statement. A dialogue between the artist and the audience. I mean, the dialogue is so important. And I think the dialogue began in, in, well, I mean, all of these shows are structured as dialogue. I mean, that's one of the things that I think is really important and needs to be, needs to be remembered. You know, the actual structure of the, Of uh, uh, the curatorial structure, if there is one of the of each show, is that there's roughly so-called international artists, a third so-called Saudi artists, and a, and a third regional artists. So already it's structured as dialogue, and this is true for 2020 and 2022. And then I think it starts local and, and goes global. And what was so moving about the first one was just seeing artists bond who were apparently coming from very, very different cultures and very different places and having this dialogue through art. And it starts there and then that expands outwards 
you know, includes communities and ultimately, you know, reaches places where I think it can change attitudes. Um, yeah. Uh, and in a way it grows there, right? Like it's the natural environment that nourishes it. Yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing about these shows, you know, sure, the art provides these sort of nodal points, um, points of interest and discussion, um, conversation pieces. But the exhibition is also about the spaces in between. The experience of walking from one piece to another and perhaps the experience of the conversations that take place on that walk and the experience of nature that you're having are as much a part of the show to me as the part that is active engagement with the artwork. And I think that's very important. The spaces in between. The spaces in between are the show. Are the show. Yeah. I want to pause and reflect on that. That's <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Art is a conversation between ourselves and the world around us and within us. Whether it's inner landscapes of our hearts or expressions of identity, all art can be said to be rooted in a particular time and place. But when you make the curator the place, in particular, Al-Ula Desert, you begin to create something so special. As Neville explained, the artworks become innately experiential, alongside the incredible landscape in between. And the freedom of discovery for visitors makes the whole bigger than the sum of its parts. It's quite ineffable. You have to come here, really. Um, you have to be here and walk it and experience it and smell it and listen to the wind and all those kinds of things. And then, of course, you know, you have the oasis, which has its own history and its own presence and this sense of life and the history of life and the precariousness of life that has been focused in it. Um, I just think it's a very magical place. I think the real thing that I hope projects like this share is, is the opportunity to be inspired by the environment for expression, by the possibility of creating dialogues that haven't taken place before or haven't taken that form. Um, and I think if one child sees or experiences one of these works and it leaves a, a sufficient impression on him or her to make them want to become an artist. I think that's justification in itself. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Thank you to Neville Wakefield for joining me in this beautiful conversation and introduction to Desert X at Lola 2022. Join us next time when we meet two of the artists exhibiting at this space where we'll hear more about their work and creative process. Thank you for listening.